Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. To get us started today, I want to start with a question. I want to start, I want to ask this. How many of you this week had the privilege and actually did your civic duty and watched the debate this week? Anybody watch the debate? All right, a couple of you in the room. How many of you actually made it through the debate? Okay, good. Proud of you. That's great. My, my wife was about an hour in and she's like, I got to go to bed. And so she, she went upstairs. She went up to bed. Man, I tell you, a tough thing to watch this week, wasn't it? Uh, very challenging. And so I'll tell you this, uh, folks, if you're not praying for the election, you should be praying for the election. Uh, this is important. It matters. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, in what display we saw uh, between the, the two candidates uh, this week, we should be praying. Uh, absolutely praying. Now, today's not about politics, uh, although I will tell you, uh, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that we are, I'm going to be doing a topic on October 18th in a couple weeks uh, called Firestorm Navigating a Controversial Political Landscape. So come back for that one. It should be fun. <laughs> All right. You can be praying for me because that's going to be a tough one. All right. Uh, but I start, to, uh, I start about talking about the debate uh, today because the, the topic we're going to talk about today has probably been one of the greatest debates in our U.S. history. It's actually one of the, the topics that is debated uh, and will be and continues to be debated year after year in elections uh, and uh, can, can really put people in a specific political vein. They're either going to be over here or they're going to be over here because of this one particular issue. All right. So it's very, been very political been also non-political. And so the topic for today, the debate that is often around us in our country is the topic of abortion. We're going to talk about abortion today and uh, super tough topic, super controversial topic. Um, and uh, many of you know this, but it all goes back to a particular court case uh, back in 1973. And you probably could even say it out loud with me, Roe v. Wade, right? So in case you don't know what this uh, was all about, I wanted to kind of get us all on the same page as we begin this morning. And so I want to read to you some uh, information about the case. And, and so that, again, get us all on the same page, okay? So let me read this to you. It says, in June 1969, 21-year-old Norma McCorvey, known in court as Jane Rowe, discovered that she was pregnant with her third child. She returned to Dallas, Texas, where friends advised her to assert falsely that she had been raped in order to obtain a legal abortion, understanding that Texas law only allowed abortions in case of rape and incest. However, the scheme failed because there was no police report documenting the alleged rape. She attempted to obtain an illegal abortion, but found that the unauthorized facility that she was going to had closed down, been closed down by the police. She then filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas. Roe v. Wade, again, 1973, ruled unconstitutional that state, uh, unconstitutional state law that banned abortions except to save the life of the mother. The court ruled that the states were forbidden from outlawing or regulating any aspect of abortion performed during the first trimester, could only enact abortion regulations reasonable related to the mother's health in the second and third trimester, and can enact abortion laws protecting the life of the baby only in the third trimester. Later, the court ruled that abortion must be permitted for any reason a woman chooses until a child becomes viable, 
After viability, an abortion must still be permitted if an abortion doctor deems it necessary to protect a woman's health, including all factors, physical, emotional, psychological, familial, and the woman's age. In this way, the court created a right to abort a child at any time, even for emotional reasons. And with all of that, and, and many of you probably know this, but now there's at least one abortion clinic in every state across the United States. And since 1973, the impact of that particular court case, uh, and this was kind of uh, super uh, heavy for me this week as I was working on the teaching, is that since 1973, in the United States, we have seen over 60 million abortions. So again, pretty heavy topic, pretty important topic. But again, kind of a controversial one, right? We know, right, that there are two sides to this argument, right? There are pro-lifers and there are pro-choicers, right? And so what I wanted to do, again, get us all on the same page this morning before we dive into some scripture, I wanted to kind of walk through the arguments on each side, okay? So I'm going to uh, go through the argument of the pro-choicers first, okay? We'll bring this up on the screen. So this is the pro-choice argument, okay? The first thing that they say is that seven in 10 Americans believe that abortion should be legal. So they're saying, hey, listen, the reality is, is the majority of people think this should be legal, okay? Women, uh, women have a moral right to decide what to do with their bodies. They're saying, hey, listen, this is not your body. This is not the government's body. This is the woman's body. She should be able to choose. The right to abortion is vital for gender, gender equality because, right, we want to make sure that there's not... Um, uh, Men dictating what women have to do in the, in the point of this, so we need to be gender equality. The right to abortion is, a vi- is vital for individual women to achieve their full potential. Go to the next one. Banning abortions must uh, puts women at risk by forcing them to use illegal abortionists. That, that's the last one, right? Yeah. So that's their argument. Okay, that's the pro-choice cho- argument. This is what they say. This is like why this is important, why we need to make sure that this is, is legal, and why we need to give p- women a choice. This is what they say. This is what they, would, uh, what they would tell you. Okay, so the pro-life argument. All right, let's go to the next one. Ready? Go. There we go. Awesome. Good. All right, life begins at conception, not at birth. So pro-lifers would say, hey, listen, um, you, you, you're basically saying the fact that a baby is really only a baby after it comes out of the womb. No, this, a, a baby is, as a baby, is a person, right, uh, when, uh, when it's conceived, not when it's born. Next argument, the growing baby is not a blob of cells, but a person. Next one. The unborn child has individual rights and liberties as well as the mother. So they're saying, hey, listen, like, just because the mom has rights doesn't mean that the baby doesn't have rights. 61% of Americans, again, they're saying, again, the majority of people, right? 60%, 1% of Americans say abortion should be illegal after the fetal heartbeat has begun, which occurs in the first month of pregnancy. And then the last one here, only 6 to 17%, again, so they, they cite that, right? Because of the fact that the low number of Americans believe abortion should be legal at any time in all circumstances. So again, this is the, the, the pro-life argument. This is why they're saying, hey, this is why this is important, right? Because of X, Y, Z and all these kinds of things. This is why we need to make sure that it's illegal. That's why we need to make sure that, that we, we reverse Roe v. Wade and all these kinds of things, right? So those are the two sides. Lots of opinions, right? On this topic. And, and, here, and, and some people would go, yeah, but the church pretty much, right, we all kind of agree. And, and the reality is, is I think, yeah, it's oftentimes uh, the, the church and people in the church can, can agree. But oftentimes, like even now in 2020, folks, this has actually become even a controversial topic in the church. 
did, did some research, right? And there's a recent study of women who have uh, had an abortion and found this, if I'm bring that stat up, said that more than one in three, that's 36% of women who uh, were attending a Christian church one or more times a month at the time of their first abortion. Notice it says first abortion. So 36% of women, that was uh, back in uh, 2015, so just a few years ago, 36% of women who were attending church. There was also an article, I think this was back in April of last year, uh, that, and you probably caught some of this if you're uh, kind of attuned to the news, but down in Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, there, was, there were even uh, churches and pastors that had signed a document. I believe there were 150 uh, religious leaders that had signed a document uh, that said that they were going to be in support of keeping abortion laws uh, in place. Uh, there were pastors from uh, Methodist churches, Baptist churches, Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, United of Christ churches supporting abortion. And so ultimately, right, we, we may want to assume that the church is on one side, but the reality is, is that even churches represent both sides of this controversial topic. And so because there are a lot of opinions, because there's controversy, even in the church, what, what we've been doing in this series, right, is we got to look at the Bible, folks. We got to look at what the Bible says and follow what the Bible says. And ultimately try to figure out like, okay, how do we live at peace with those who disagree with us? Again, this whole idea that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, the bridges versus borders. And so that's where we're going to go today. I want to give you some scriptures to think about that'll, that'll kind of help us. I think it'll direct us. And so uh, I already kind of mentioned this, but over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called Tough Topics, Navigating Today's Hot Button Issues. And again, uh, I'm not doing this series because I just want to rile up controversy in the church. I'm doing this series because at such a time as this, we need biblical grounding and what the Bible says. And so today we're going to tackle this really tough topic of abortion. And so the, the title is Conceived Life Versus Choice. And so as uh, we get started, let me pause and pray, and then I'll give you a couple of things to write down. Okay, so let's pray. So Father, uh, I'm grateful for the fact that um, in a Sunday morning in October, the God, that you uh, are with us. You're with us in this place, God. We always felt your presence in worship and, and even prayer time stuff that we're doing already. So God, just be with us as we walk through this next several minutes together. And I pray, God, that uh, that you just speak through me. God, I have some things prepared, but ultimately I want you to speak, God. I want your voice to be what's heard today. And God, that, um, that you would make us more like Jesus as a result of our time together with this particular topic. And that, uh, God, we would just represent you well in the way that we think, say, and uh, the way we act. So we thank you for this time. We give it to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So here we go. Three points today. If you've got a handout, you can write this down. Three biblical positions regarding life versus choice. First one is this. A fetus is a person loved by God from the start. You can write that on a, a fetus is a person loved by God from the start. Um, when I started to put this message together, the first thing that came to my mind was, um, how many of you guys ever read the book, Horton Hears a Who? right? Yeah, some of you guys know that book. So there's a, there's a line in Horton, Here's a Who, that says, a person's a person, no matter how small. And uh, so this is pretty much this point, right? Um, and uh, I would encourage you to watch the movie. It's pretty cool. Um, book's great too. But essentially, a person's a person, no matter how small. This, this, this uh, flower thing here, there was a whole community of people on that little tiny speck, right? And so uh, the, the, this whole point is, is really like a person's a person no matter how small. I'm going to look at Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 in the midst of this point. It says, For you created my inmost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And that is a significant scripture in regards to this topic today because, folks, the reality is that God knows us while we are inside our mother's womb. He knows us. He actually designs us even before conception. And that, that verse actually says, his eyes see our unformed body. So not even, that, well, he knows us once we're there. No, he, he sees us, our, our unformed body, and he makes plans for us, all the days ordained for us before they became to be. He loves us long before we are born. A person's a person, no matter how small. And so a couple of other, other uh, scriptural evidences of this that, that, that I think are important to catch. Um, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, an angel uh, visits Zechariah, and you can read this on your own time, but in Luke chapter 1, an angel uh, visits Zechariah, uh, and he tells him that he's going to have a son. That's John the Baptist, by the way. Okay, And it says uh, in the text, it says that the angel says to him in verses 14 and 15, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or ferment to drink. And he will, look at this, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. That, that's something. Because see, if you know the story of John the Baptist, he went and did amazing great things for the kingdom of God, right? And God was like, hey, I got to start this process. Like even in the womb, man, boom, I got to do that. Later, um, uh, Mary goes, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes, and she, when she's pregnant with Jesus, she goes and visits Elizabeth, right, who's John the Baptist's mom. And, uh, and it says in uh, Luke 1, it says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You see, a, a, an unborn baby, folks, is not just a fetus. That may be a medical term, but it is a person, Known and designed and loved by God, even before the bones and the frame are formed. Which actually leads me, to, I, want you, I want you to listen to some facts about how a baby is developed in the womb. Listen to this. At 22 days after conception, a child's heart begins to circulate his or her own blood, unique to that of his mother's, and his heart can be detected on an ultrasound. At just six weeks, the eye, child's eyes and eyelids, nose, mouth, and tongue have formed. At six or seven weeks, electrical brain activity can be detected. By the eighth week, the child has developed all of his or her own organs and bodily structures. At 10 weeks after conception, the child can make bodily movements. And actually, then I uh, thought I, I wanted to show you a picture. This is what a 12-week-old baby looks like in the womb. Incredible. 12 weeks. See, a person, and see, that little one right there is only usually it's about that big. A person's a person no matter how small. An unborn baby is a person to God inside or outside the womb makes no difference. 
So that's the first biblical truth. The fetus is a person loved by God from the start. Second thing, you can write this in. Biblical position regarding life versus stories. Terminating a pregnancy is ending a life. And I'll tell you, this is the, this is the tough part of this conversation. This is not the fun part of this conversation. What I'm going to share with you next is not because I want to share and, and do shock and awe with you, but I think that um, I mentioned this last week in our topic, sometimes proximity matters, right? And I think sometimes this topic, it can be a concept to people, but the reality is this is real. And so I want to share with you some common abortion procedures. Again, not to, not to um, shock and awe you, but I want this to be real. Um, and so these are common procedures. You can bring those up. First one is this, up to seven to nine weeks. Uh, it's something called RU486. It's actually the abortion pill. And so you can take this pill and essentially it forces the mother to miscarry. Um, and uh, can be very, very painful for the mother. Up to uh, 16, uh, six to 16 weeks, it's actually something called suction aspiration, and it basically is what it sounds. The doctor will stick a tube inside the uterus and literally will suck the baby out. And then from 16 to 39 weeks, it's something called dilation and evacuation. And this is probably the most gruesome of all, um, where uh, it actually involves dismemberment of the baby and uh, pulling the baby out of the uterus. And uh, this is the thing that kind of struck me this week as I was looking at this, is that it can also involve a lethal injection into the heart of the child to make sure that the, actual, that the baby is actually dead before it will actually be pulled out of the uterus. Again, a very hard part of this topic. But folks, the reality is, is that terminating a pregnancy is ending a life. And, and ending, ending a life that is innocent, right? The Bible actually calls that murder. And it's very clear on this. Exodus 23, 7 says, Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments too. Exodus 20, 13. You shall not murder. See, we get this, right? We understand this, right? We, we understand the fact that that that. Murder is wrong, right? We're, we don't, we don't, I don't want to say, hey, Rob, it's okay for you to go out and murder somebody today. Nobody, nobody would say, Matt, what are you doing, right? Like, we'd all agree that that would be wrong. But see, why, why, is, why is this accepted in our culture when it comes to babies in the womb? I, I, honestly, I, there are times where like, I can get really frustrated with this particular part of the topic. And so uh, I was trying to find a way to, to express that this week. And I remember uh, uh, my, a friend of mine on Facebook shared something a while back, and I uh, just stole it from his Facebook, and I want to read it. It's actually something he, he titled Silent Screams. He says this. He says, thousands of unborn babies are being bullied every day, and very little is heard about it. It's the worst kind of bullying because their opportunity to live is literally taken away from them. Why isn't this going viral? Why aren't people flooding the streets in protest? Why can't we pass a law to prevent it? Maybe it's because the babies can't speak for themselves. Maybe it's because videos aren't being produced and placed on social media. Maybe it's because their screams and pain can't be heard in the womb, the silent screams. You know, we spend millions of dollars to save the life of a, of a baby who's born premature, and we do this because life is precious. Human life is invaluable. I just don't understand why we can't stop the killing of babies who are on the wrong side of the womb. Let there be no question that Jesus is pro-life, and so am I. 
Again, this is the tough part of this topic, folks, but the reality is, is that abortion is taking a life, and what we've been seeing in this series over and over and over and over is that every life matters. Every life matters. A person's a person no matter how small. Even before birth, even in the womb, and so we really shouldn't be okay with death like this, with these silent screams. So that's the second point, turning a pregnancy is ending a life. Now I want to kind of change gears a little bit because that one was heavy. Um, third, third biblical position is this, and this is so important. Nothing is unforgivable. This is an important thing to cover today, that nothing is unforgivable. I want to look at 1 John 1, 8 and 9. It says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Folks, the reality is every single one of us in this room, we all deal with sin. There's not a single one of us that is in the room that hasn't done something that is against what God wants to do. It's important to remember that. And then it goes on to verse nine. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think it's important to state here today, folks, that abortion is not the unforgivable sin. And so I think that some of you need to hear that because maybe you're in a situation where uh, maybe you, you've thought about it or maybe you did have an abortion or, or you've been, you're encouraged to have an abortion or maybe there's something like that. But I think there's the other side of it over here, folks. I think sometimes Christians, we need to hear that because if, if, if abortion is not the unforgivable sin, then we need to stop acting like it is. Right? We need to have compassion on this topic. And so... Hear me today that, folks, if you're here today and you've struggled and, and you've, maybe you've thought about it, maybe you've went through it, um, you, you have a way through the blood of Jesus Christ to be forgiven for that. You have a way to, to, to ultimately, because Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross, to, to be able to say, you know what, that was, that was some of the decision I made, and you can forgive yourself because you've been forgiven by a holy God. Now, some of you, maybe you're not the one that actually went through, but you're the one who, uh, who had to watch somebody else you love go through that process, and maybe it's time for you to forgive them. So ultimately, they can forgive themselves because it's not the unforgivable sin. I think the reality of this, uh, this subject, and, and although it's so tough is that oftentimes when people walk through the process of abortion, it's not because they are, um, it's because they oftentimes I don't think they know the reality of it, right? Um, there's actually was a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Unplanned. Uh, has anybody seen this movie? Anybody, a couple of you seen it? I, I haven't seen it. I just watched the trailer this week. Um, it's, from what I hear, it's a pretty hard watch. It's not like somebody you want to sit down and prop your feet up and have popcorn. Um, kind of like The Passion of the Christ, like important movie to watch, right? But not one that's going to be easy. Uh, but basically, this is a, is a story. It's based on a true story of a young lady named Abby, Abby Johnson. Right? Is that her name? Yeah, Abby Johnson. And uh, she was uh, a director of a Planned Parenthood clinic and uh, for a long time held the view that a baby is just a blob of cells. And so um, was the leader of this. And then one day, things were kind of crazy in the office. So she got asked to assist in a, an, uh, a procedure, an abortion procedure. So she went into the, uh, into the office and helped out, and what she saw, um, there's no other word to say, is it broke her. 
And it broke her to the point where then she quit her job at the clinic and she started a crusade to, to, to let people know what, gosh, this is, this is really tough. This is really hard. It's not just a blob of cells. There is, there's a person there. And so I, I tell you that because I think oftentimes people, uh, uh, I think people who choose pro-choice or pro- choose to have an abortion, uh, ultimately they're not saying that they're pro-death. We got to have compassion on the midst of this, folks, because the reality is what at the heart of, of what they want to do is they're trying to just they're just trying to, to, to protect and, and love a woman, which which, by the way, is not a bad idea either. God cares for those women. So at the heart of it, they're not they're not they're not pro death. Right. They're just trying to care for the woman. And so as we've been talking about in this series, we, we need to try to build bridges and not borders, right? So if you're talking to somebody who, one, who has had uh, an abortion or is thinking about it, I think, again, we need to have some more compassion there. But some people are, they're just pro-choice. And so if they're pro-choice, I want to give you a couple practical things today that I think is important for us to remember is, one, I don't think those people are pro-death. I think it's good for us to keep that in mind. The second thing is, is that I think that it's important to, to, for us to state our, our view in loving way right? That ultimately we believe that a, that a fetus is more than a blob of cells, that it's a person known and designed and loved by God. And then secondly, and compassionately, not with a bullhorn, right? Let them know that our belief that a woman's right to, to choose ultimately shouldn't override the baby's right to life. We have to lead with love. And I'll say that it's hard. I know that it's hard uh, because it, this is a really challenging topic, but, but life truly matters. And so we should lead with love. And so if we're in that conversation, if we're, if we're around somebody, you know, we lead with love in that. But, but I'll say this, if, if you're not praying for this, I'd ask you to start, put this on your prayer list. Begin to pray. I was actually at a leadership meeting yesterday on a leadership conference, and one of the pastors that was sharing there uh, said um, that about a year and a half ago that God really started to challenge him uh, to say, hey, I want you to be more attentive to figure out what you can do to help the unborn babies in our country. And so he was just praying, and he just felt like the Lord said that. And so maybe for you, you need to pray because you need to get involved some way. Maybe you need to pray just so you can pray, but, but we ought to be praying and maybe as you pray, maybe you, you're supposed to go do something, you know, maybe, um, you know, we, we support two specific organizations through the church here at Cornerstone. One is Right to Life. Uh, we've actually funneled finances to them several times over the last year, paid for uh, people to get trained as counselors as, the, as they stand outside the abortion clinics and, and can counsel ladies and love on them and whatever. Because I was actually in a conversation even this morning to say, hey, look, if, we're, if we actually want this issue to change and the church has to step up and do something and so maybe you're supposed to go serve that that organization there's also another one uh reda which is reason enough to act you could support them financially maybe you could go volunteer one of the uh volunteers that i had over at another church uh got very heavily involved in reda and uh, has done tremendous things to to um to help because both those organizations help ladies choose life rather than death uh, as often as they can so maybe you need to do that but ultimately, we need to lead in love. Always lead with love. Even when it's hard, we need to lead with love. Build a bridge, not a border. Which leads me to this, and I'll close with this, and the worship team, you guys can go ahead and start coming ready, getting ready to go. 
In John 15, 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so that's a great verse. Um, and so keeping an unplanned pregnancy, I know is a sacrifice. Because it's laying down one's life for another. But folks, Jesus did that for us. And because he did that for us, I think it's something that, that we should support in others to do as well. And to model and to be part of what we can do to, to help that process in our country. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.